All right, before we kick things off, just want to drop a little coupon code knowledge on you. For those of you who don't know, if you go to mavenbuilt.com and you order a product, whether it's the Bino Spotting Scope or Rifle Scope, if you use the coupon code NBHGIFT at checkout, they will send you some free Maven swag. So that's mavenbuilt.com, and the coupon code is NBHGIFT. Also, if you would like to get 10% off your Mountain Ops products, fantastic products, great people, great company, all you got to do is enter the coupon code TAG10 at checkout, and it will get you 10% off. Also, if you use the coupon code GENTLEMAN at checkout when you order yourself a reel from the Elpin Reel Company, you'll get 15% off. That's a pretty sweet deal. They make great, great rods. Also, or great, great reels. Also, if you use the coupon code ADVENTUROUS when you order for anything $50 or more from OutdoorVitals.com, they will send you a free inflatable camp pillow. It's a badass pillow. I have their 3-inch uh, pad that's inflatable, and it's fantastic. I also have their mummy pod. It's fantastic. Great people, all great companies. So do me a favor. Check them out. Now enjoy the show. If you are ready to take the hard road, the road less travelled, the path in life where the journey is more important than the destination, then you are in the right place. Prepare to live with vigour. This is the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. Welcome one and all to the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. I'm your host, Will Bradley, and today we have joining us Erin Lavoie. Those of you who don't know who Erin is, she is a competitive lumberjill, former champion for the Steel Timber Sports Series, and also the co-owner of CrossFit Predation in Spokane, Washington. Erin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Will. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's like it's the first time I've ever talked to you. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, Aaron and I did an episode once, and unfortunately, the audio didn't work out. So this is our second second take, but I guarantee we will bring back that same magic from that first time. So, how are you doing, Aaron? What's new? I'm good. I'm just gearing up for the Steel Timber Sports Series next weekend. So this will be my last weekend off before. Um, it's going pretty good. Uh, we were just talking a couple of months ago. I kind of spent a lot of time as a coach and coaching everybody else in my life, doing everything. Um, and I don't really take a lot of time for myself. So a couple of weeks ago, almost a month ago, I finally sat back and said, okay, it's it's my turn and I got to get ready for this. So now I'm starting to gear up, get all of my gear ready, get my training back on track. And I'm actually looking forward to it now. And for those who aren't familiar with the Steel Timber Sports Series, what is it? Um, it's, you know, last year was the first time that they offered it, but they've had it for men. It's a just a lumberjack competition, professional competition. And um, I believe they started it, I started 15 years ago. And for as long as I've known, they've had it for the guys. It's always been for the guys. And, you know, of course, being a girl in this sport, I want every opportunity that I can have, and it was never there for women until last year. So it's always been around for the guys. It's just a, series, a test series of, I believe they do six events. Um, we only do three, but it's a scoring of your overall points brought up to just one winner. 
And what three events do the women do? The women do the underhand, the stock saw, and then the single buck. And if you were to choose a favorite out of those three, which would it be? The underhand chop for sure. That is probably my strongest event. It's my funnest event. Last year I broke a world record. Really? So. In the underhand chop? Yeah, so it really is one of my favorites. There's nothing better than just, if you're on a good log with a good axe that, and they like each other and you're having a good day, there's nothing better than just smashing through it. Now, how do you know it's a good log and a good axe? Do you have to ask them, like, are you two going to get along today or is this going to be rough? You know, there's a little introduction and everything that goes down. Um, it is luck of the draw often with the wood. They try to get the best mashed wood they can, but you never know. Um, there's all sorts of factors, like, did the tree suck up too much sand when it was growing? Did the wind hit one side of it too hard? Does it have a knot, lightning, um, other trees growing up next to it? Did it take that tree's resources and so on? So not everything is perfect. There's always some sort of flaw within every log. Um, you just hope for the best log you can have without those flaws. And then on top of that, I own about 12 different axes, which isn't nearly enough. Some boys have 50 to 100 axes. You know, so you just find the one that matches that log the best. So when I said there's an introduction, there really is. When you set up your log, you draw your lines on it where you want to chop it, and then you have to put your footholds into the log. A foothold is just a flat platform on top of the log, so your feet have something to stand on while you're swinging your axe. Um, so while you're making your those footholds, you get the chance to test a couple of the axes that you bring to the game. So with those tests, a couple of hits, you can choose which one's going to work the best. Oh, man. So that's really a game-time decision then, a lot of pressure it, on that. It is. It's yeah. a very unique sport in that you're only going to chop that piece of wood one time. It can one. only be done one time. You know, you're only going through it once. So even the one you set a world record on, that's that's that log. You know, you can't, it might not have worked out if it would, like you said, had picked up too much sand or there had been a lot of wind blown, made that log stronger, which is interesting because, you know, you go to a basketball court, right? Each, yeah. you know, you switch sides, you're playing on the same court. Everything's the same for everybody, right? Different positions, but you're on the same court, same ball, whatever. With this, you got to pick an ax and then the wood, luck of the draw, that's tough. It is tough. It's super tough. Um, luck of the draw is just kind of a bummer. But on top of that, you do have to have really nice gear. And how much would you say the mental aspect plays a role in this? For some people, 100%. Um, some people just can't get over any intimidation factors. or you know, It's a scary thing. You're swinging an axe in between your feet. And then also a lot of times people, when they step up and they get that three, two, one, go adrenaline, um, all their training and everything just kind of goes out the window for them. If they're not, if they haven't been around the turf that long, pretty easy to forget everything on go. And how did you get started in this sport? Because this isn't something I see a lot of youth leagues out there for. I started in college. So I was going to school for forestry. And they practiced just down the hall from my classes. So I stumbled in one day and they put an axe in my hand, set me on top of a log, and five days later I was in my first competition, and I, I believe I placed third in the chop. That's so, good. A little bit of success goes a long way. Winning is fun, and you want to keep at it, and I just kept winning, so. You just kept at it, right? <laughs> yeah. The natural. <laughs>
It helps. I mean, it's tough. I also remember starting, I was in the professional circuit. I was probably only one of maybe three women on this side of the States. So I was always guaranteed top three. Yeah, it's a little easier to get three when you <laughs> top third yeah. and only three. So you win, and that's fun, and you make the money so you can pay for your event, and then you can pay for the next ones and start slowly buying gear. Um, you know, we've got upwards of hundreds of women now, so to start now, I think it'd be a whole lot tougher. That's got to be motivating to see it grow like that. To, what do you mean? See the sport. Grow? See the sport grow oh, like yeah. that. Oh, it's fantastic. It's awesome. It's just it's something that I love. So, yeah, the more it grows, the more opportunity and the more friends I get to meet. In the 5 a.m. class and the workout, I was telling a buddy who owns the gym, I'm like, yeah, interviewing uh, these Lumberjills and Lumberjacks and talking about the sport. He goes, you know what? This girl just signed up and she wants to be a competitive Lumberjill. <laughs> She's in the 5 a.m. class. I see her all the time there almost every morning. <laughs> Oh, man. As much as I want to see the sport grow even more, tell her to maybe go and pick up a volleyball. It's much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but volleyball, you need friends. Yeah, that's true. You know, you got to find some people. Team, team sports are tough. Find them. <laughs> yeah, this is all you need is, you know, a log and an axe. It's a little easier to procure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, they only come from mostly New Zealand, and it's about a two-year wait list, so... Yeah, oh, that's easy. <laughs> yeah, super easy to get. I just go to the hardware store. Here we go. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what do these axes tend to run? Um, Average five to six hundred per so nice one. So they're cheap, too. Yeah, yeah, real cheap. Cheap and easy to get. And then about a $60 handle. Uh, you know, that's, that's not bad when you compare it to the $500 head. <laughs> you'd think you'd, they'd send you a whole axe with that. Yeah. No, you'd think. Yeah, it shows up. I'd be like, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. And you can buy them cheaper. Of course, like my training axes, I could pick one up for maybe 300 But when it comes down to hundreds of a second between you and your neighbor, you want the best. Yeah. And what kind of training for you goes into getting ready for one of these? I do. So year-round, I do CrossFit. Um, I do a lot of strength training in my off season. Once it kicks into season, strength kind of gets put on hold and it just turns into maintenance. Um, a lot of cardio. But as far as working out, I try to keep it well-rounded. I try to do every normal CrossFit move instead of, oh, this mimics chopping or this mimics sawing. I just keep it well-rounded. Mm -hmm. And then outside of the gym, I do as much training of hands-on sport as I can. And that's just dependent upon wood and everything. Um, if I have a stash of wood, I'll chop two to three times per week and saw as much as possible as well. And so it's general physical preparedness most of the time. And then what would you say, like 20% of your time you spend then with that sports-specific stuff? Yeah. 20, yeah. well, 20 to – depending, like right now, I'm really gearing up for this first – for the qualifier of the Steel Turner Sports Series. So I'm, I'm training probably about four times a week. And each day is – I'll chop 10 logs each of those days, so – it kind of ramps up depending on the competition coming up. And about how long, for those who are wondering, does it take for you to get through one of those logs? Um, world record time, I believe, was 24 seconds. I'd have to double check. Um, in training, probably about 45 seconds. I don't go fast when I'm training. 
just my hits accuracy and how I present the axe to the wood. 20 seconds. That is super fast. 24. Let me, I can look it up for you. Still, in 40 seconds seems very fast. So 20 it, seconds. You know, the less work you have to do up there, the better it is. And the less work you have to do, is that mostly how you're hitting that axe? I mean, and how much would you say your strength actually in fitness plays a role in that? If you don't have accuracy, um, strength doesn't really do you much good. It does a little bit. You can kind of hack your way through it. But if you're the more accurate you are and the more precisely you place each hit in the proper spot, the better off you'll be. It's a tool. You got to remember. I mean, you can. You don't want to force the tool. You want to guide the tool, and it'll work better. I've always had the problem of I want to make everything go. Yeah. <laughs> I went and practiced with Nathan Waterfield a little bit, and it was just like I just want to swing this thing as hard as I can. Low down properly. So twenty four point fifteen seconds was my world record last year. Ooh, I think it only took me five minutes. It was pretty fun. Was yeah. It's always nice. You get done in 24 seconds. It's like, ah, yeah, that was good. World record. I can walk away now. My favorite thing is to cheer on the other girls when I finish. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to remember that. My favorite Ooh. thing to do is cheer on other girls when I finish. Um, that might be the tagline of this episode. Don't make yeah. Just highlight it. It doesn't happen often. They'll, they'll interview her. Erin Lavoie, not known for her sportsmanship, but known for her competitive <laughs> nature. <laughs> I guess and, I like to keep it well-rounded. And were you pretty athletic as a kid growing up, or was this where you... What's funny, I was born with some pretty decent heart problems and asthma, and I remember when my mom told me that the doctor said that I mean, I lived in the hospital until I was nearly four, just in and out with problems. Mm. And um, they said I'd never do sports and all of that. And I don't remember those days. As far as I've known, I've always been running and competing, soccer, football, mostly with the guys. Um, baseball, I was the only girl in the league. And I was the pitcher. It was pretty cool. Bringing the heat. So, yeah, bringing the heat. But, uh, yeah, it's that's my world. I love sports and I love being competitive if they were to add one more modality or implement to the women's side you know a fourth event, fourth what, event. it's been yeah. talked about and i thought it was going to happen this year but it's not i really want them to put in a standing block chop that's what i'd like to see i think that's the sexiest one of them all it will well girls are not the best at it yet but given a year i'd like to hope that they would train and present it a little bit better you probably there's only a handful of girls that really train it and can do it well so we'd have to step up a lot but i'd love to see that in there and a lot of these colleges if the girls and boys teams are training together it would make sense that the people coming up should be trained up on that yeah or could have the opportunity to it should be it's just harder it's much harder than the underhand how much harder would we say? Because it looks like the same thing, just standing up. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have gravity on your side. So an underhand, all you have to do is lift the axe up and put it back to where it's supposed to go. Um, standing block, if you get tired, you can't really run that axe the way you should. And you just, the potential for scooping down and into your leg is much greater. 
See, I think it's more intimidating to have to cut down between your feet. I'd be much more comfortable standing up with it far away from my appendages. Really? No. Yes, for sure. Nathan, you sit down and that thing goes into your legs. Yeah. Oh, he had me swinging that thing, and I was like, I want the knight's armor stuff all over me. Oh, promo shout out. I build those. Anybody needs them. That's right. If anybody needs some, uh, I forgot the Look word. The guards. That's right, the guards. <laughs> so you don't chop your tootsies off while yeah. practicing. Do you see your overhand chop or underhand chop? Give Aaron a shout. Aaron, where can they give you a shout at? On Instagram and Facebook. Instagram and Facebook. And what are you on Instagram and Facebook? The Lumberjill. The Lumberjill. That's a good name. That's a good – you probably got that early. You were like, I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, I stole that one to ride up. Or yeah. um, Aaron LaVoy too. Yeah, you don't want to be like the Lumberjill, the Lumberjill like 842-7 or something because like all the other ones are taken. Yeah. And is uh, underscore. You hear that train? I do. I I thought that was like your phone going off or something. Is that a real train somewhere in the background? Train right next door. Wow, that's convenient. Anytime you need to ride the open rails. <laughs> yeah, you know, once a week. On, hop on, head down to a lumberjill competition. Boom. <laughs> so, is that sewing machine? Is that for the stuff you make or? Yeah, yeah, that's for my guards. Um, pretty sweet rig. So, looks like it's from the 1920s. It's badass. I forget when it's from, but it is pretty old and rebuilt. Um, old school. Yeah, thing's awesome. But uh, in between classes, I sit back here in my sweatshop and build my guards. Those are nice. Just think, some child used to operate that in a factory somewhere. Yeah, maybe. Back I would I could use one of those right now. Um, no, it's fun. And so what is the competitive season look like? How many competitions do you go to? And it does it, where does the finale to the competition? You could go every weekend. Um, between April and September is our season. But Australia, I could go down there and go for my entire off-season. So it could be year-round. Um several each weekend. I try to cut down to maybe two per weekend. Just to, the older I get, the more I realize how much I miss out on life back home with friends and family and lake time. So every year I try to, you know, do one less and less and just start training instead of running around to the little competitions and focus more on the big competitions, the championships and things. Um, the Steel Timber Sports Series, the qualifiers next weekend, the finals, if I make it, hopefully will be mid-July, which is going to fall a weekend after the World Championships in Wisconsin. And where are the, where's the qualifier going to? The qualifiers in Cherry Valley, New York, and then the finals will be in Milwaukee. All right, so upstate New York, here you come. So mid-July is going to be heavy, heavy hitter, and then a little break, and then there's the um, Boonville, which is a pretty big, big competition in August as well, and then I'll take a break. Back to upstate New York. I didn't see. I knew about Boonville. I didn't know about Cherry Valley until recently because I live like 20 minutes from Boonville. So it's like I didn't realize that apparently upstate New York holds a lot of lumberjacking history. A lot, yeah. And what what is the history like for Lumberjill? Are there like the greats 
of all time, you know, the, the women who led the sport in the beginning? Yeah, there's a couple of them. One name that stands out for sure was Penny Halverson. Um, and I remember earlier I talked about the guys having the Steel Timber Sports Series. Um, she was actually the only girl that competed in it when it first started because there wasn't many people. So, of course, she jumped in. Um, I met her probably my first year competing was probably her last year that I saw her. But that was a pretty big name early on that I can remember. And Carmen Winyard was a great. Um, Cherie Taylor, she's from New Zealand. They're both from New Zealand, actually. So. And why is New Zealand? Do you have any idea why, like New Zealand, Australia, why are they big, such big chopping cultures? I don't know that for sure. I just know that they are. Um, aside from that, I, I couldn't tell you. I'm not really sure. I know Spain is as well. I think maybe it originated in Spain, but I'm not, I don't know that history. And where do you see the sport going from where it is now? Hopefully, um, the men have what they call a world. So they take the top competitors from the Steel Timber Sports Series, which is hosted in multiple countries now. And they go to the world and they compete against each other. And they also, each country will send a team to compete against the other countries. Um, I think we started with a five-year plan of hopefully we'll end up there within five years as well, we being the women's side. And didn't you travel to Australia for a women's team? or I've been often, probably about seven times on that team now, and I'll be going back in September for another team. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. And what? how does that team work out? It's seven people. Um, two underhand choppers, one single Sawyer, and then two Jill and Jill teams. So seven total people with one alternate if you want. Um, it goes underhand, double, single, double, underhand. And we just take, it's kind of a group effort of, hey, who wants to be the captain and who should we put on the team? I was the captain one year and I'll never do that again. <laughs> Too much responsibility. Thankless, horrible job. <laughs> Horrible. You're like, I just want to be brought to Australia to chop wood. I don't want to have to do much else. But I will take that. Um, we hadn't won since 2004, and that was the first win that we took since and, 2004. So. And have you just been crushing since well, 2004? Well, off, but uh, we got gold. <laughs> and are you guys still winning, or what's the competition like? Um, I can't remember what we got last year. I don't. I don't think we've won since that year. I can't remember. Man, so it's stiff. It's stiff international competition. Then it's hard. I mean, we're going to their their home turf. That's the wood that they chop. That's the wood that they have gear for. So, I mean, if you're new to the team, it's completely unknown. If you're a veteran to the team, you still have to worry about gear and how. I mean, a a good chop up here for me is thirty seconds. Down there, it's more like a minute. So wow, that's that's a game. That's a big difference. Big difference. And what's that wood density, hardness? What plays? It's so much harder. Um, and if you don't, if you come in with too much angle, you'll never get the chip out. So if you come in straighter, you could break your axe. So you got to be a lot smarter down there. Our wood up here is fairly soft, and you can get away with a lot more mess ups down there. You have to truly do your your work. So it's forgiving wood here, and there's no forgiveness down there. Correct. Yeah. 
And does that change where you go in the States for what kind of wood's brought in? Or in the States, is it basically generally it, the same? It varies slightly. Um, somebody like you, you probably wouldn't know the difference. Somebody like a world champion would know the difference. But yeah, it's, I guarantee you I'd have no idea. Yeah, it, then it's just going to look like softwood to you. <laughs> yep, softwood. Perfect. Softwood. Yeah. <laughs> and so in Australia, is it still softwoods or hardwoods? I don't even know what they have in Australia for trees. I can't imagine and there's a lot of conifer forests. I mean, sometimes a block will roll out and somebody will say, oh, that's a soft, that's a soft log. And I'll be like, hmm. That was not. <laughs> it's, it's all hard down there. Yeah, that's a, that's a soft log for you. It's not. <laughs> it's only going to take about a minute and a half to get through. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fun. So what is your life like now, day to day? Coaching CrossFit, chopping wood. What's, what's so the Lumberjill schedule? Yeah, it's super busy right now. Um, oh, God. Um, I coach five sometimes five classes a day um i usually get down to the gym at quarter to six first class is at six um just one hour long and then i've got two hours of open gym time that anybody can come and work out but that's normally when i work out coach another class at nine to ten and then ten to eleven i do kind of office work or whatnot another class at eleven and then about three hours off to you know clean run around restock do whatever I need to do, and then two more classes at 4.15 and 5.30. So that's a full day. Um, when I take time off, I usually take the noon class off so I can go out and do some training or meetings, whatever I need to do. But it's just a lot of coaching and a lot of training right now. And coaching takes quite a bit of energy. A lot. It's um, I love it, but at the end of the day, I get home and I just I shut the door and I really don't want to talk to anybody. Since we've talked, I've stopped coaching actually because work's gotten so busy and with two kids, oh, I just no. couldn't give the energy to it. And I don't want to be one of those coaches who just like leans on a box and is like, yeah, good yeah. job, yeah. keep going. Because we've all seen those coaches. Yeah. You know, you give the minimum. You know, if you really want to get out there and give a good job and really give people feedback and try to improve their movement, it an hour will drain you. It's a lot of coffee. <laughs> a lot of coffee and a lot of care and you really you just have to care you got to care about the people in your gym and I do so it is funny though I go to get coffee in the middle of the day and the girls are like what are you up to today and I say I got to go back to work I'm like I'm sorry I'm like, you don't understand it's like the best job in the world like, I love going to work it's great but yeah at the end of the day I don't want to I don't have time or energy for anything else no, not if you want to be good at it. That's it's for sure. Funny, it is. It's like hunting season, though. I mean, I'm sure you guys understand that when hunting season. Or I saw this sign. It said, "We interrupt this marriage to bring you hunting season." Yes. But it's like I interrupt this life to bring you chopping season, and it lasts about six months. So, in all fans know that we have a big party in September when Aaron's back to real life. That's that's, that's always nice. Yeah, it's fun. Thank Here's a little anecdote for you. They call uh, Boonville the land of the widows when hunting season starts. Oh, yeah. There's no one. No one in town. <laughs> the bars are empty. <laughs> Just be really good so you can come home early. And I did see. It looks like you had a pretty good turkey season. What's your hunting life like? I love getting out. Um, 
it's I have to put effort into taking the time off and getting out. Um, prefer elk over deer. That's enough meat for me, and if I can get out for elk, I'll take that over deer. Love turkey. Love fishing. I mean, really what kind of uh, fishing you doing? Anything I can. But um, steelhead down at my brother's place in on the Grand Ron. It's pretty fun. A couple of bass fishing down there, and then just small lake trouts around here. And are you a spin rod or fly? I don't like fly fishing. What? I, okay, I like it, but I can't keep up with all the little tiny flies and tying the knots and the extra leaders and casting into trees and all that. I'm just like, God. I'd much rather walk myself up and down a creek with a little tiny stick. <laughs> you know, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that because I just bought a tankata rod, which I have this challenge going on with a buddy. We both had the same rod, and it's just a pull. It's telescoping. You pull it out. There's no reel for it it's just you tie your line and your leader to the top of the pole and now we're only fishing one type of fly all summer so we only have one fly to choose from we've got a just a fancy carbon fiber stick and we sit there and we cast see that'd be fun it is and it was like not that expensive and i was like you know what i can't keep you can only do so many sports and you can only do so many of them well yeah at some point, you got to simplify. I agree with that. Yeah, that's tough. Snowboarding, wood chopping, hunting, fishing. And I have a banjo collecting dust. What? You play the banjo? Where? I well, should have had you. Banjo collecting dust. How, how, how much banjo can you play? None. None. They're, none? Like, I got it maybe eight years ago, and... I, I put it right next to my bed, so I'm like, okay, five minutes before bed every night. And I still haven't touched it for a while. So there's been zero minutes before bed every night? Yeah. And what made you decide to get a banjo other than the fact that you're apparently a hillbilly? What, what, got, what got you into banjo? Country music. I mean, I always it was either a fiddle or a banjo. And I tried the fiddle and it just kind of drove me nuts. The See, banjo, I don't know. You sit around a fire, you drink a beer, and you play the banjo. Can you play the guitar, or were you just like, oh, I'll just pick up one of the hardest yeah, string I instruments? I totally pick it up, and away I go. I got a book. Oh, good, a book. And you... cartoon characters in it. It looked interesting. YouTube, <laughs> just YouTube University. That's all you need. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, though. Fiddle, banjo, piano. Those would be my top three favorite musical instruments to hear. To hear or to play? To hear. I can't play anything. I'm terribly... Yeah. I, I made it, so I was in the, like, middle school uh, band to play the trumpet, and I faked it. I never actually played it. <laughs> never practiced, never played. No solos for you. No, they were definitely not putting me in first chair because I would just sit there and I'd move it. You know, somebody, I wonder if, like, anybody actually knew, like, Will's not making any sound out of this trumpet. <laughs> yeah, just finger... Finger, the finger movements, and that was it. I hated it. Eventually, I quit. And that's where parents who are like, oh, you shouldn't quit. You should stick You're with so it. You're so good. Yeah, you know, you should really keep practicing. Stick with the trumpet. It's like, nah, hated the trumpet. Hated being in band and super glad I quit. Still at 30, I think I'm 34, 34 years of age. Don't regret quitting the trumpet once. How happy were they that you probably didn't practice at home at all? I bet they were super happy, but 
I, and I'm pretty sure my dad was also super happy when I quit the trumpet because he wouldn't have to go to any recitals. You know, when you're a parent, you got to go there and fake it. Like, oh, you're doing so great. This you're is, I love faking it. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> the other time he was super happy is when I quit the wrestling team. Really? Yeah, and I was captain when I quit. But I was like, you know. Uh, oh, that makes fun to watch. Well, here's what happened. I was doing wrestling. I was captain of the team going into high school. And I was like, and it was, in Holland Patton, it was, it's a very competitive wrestling area. And. I went to my sister's ski race, and there's all these girls in the ski lodge, and they're changing out of their speed suits into their clothes and right into their underwear, like, in the lodge. And I was just like, you know what? I think I found my sport. So the next year, I joined the ski racing team and went and did that all through high school. My dad said he was just one of his happiest moments when I quit wrestling because he was tired of going to sweaty gyms and watching men grope each other. Oh, yeah. And the ringworm. Yeah, you know, I never had any problems with that. I liked wrestling while I was doing it, but it was like, hey, ski team, you get to ride up the chairlift with girls? Hmm, yep, that's my <laughs> motive. <laughs> yeah, winner. Snow bunnies. Yeah, it's like you win even if you lose. That's good for you. Yeah, right? I was young age. I was like, you know, I, I, and I wasn't shy about it. They were like, why, why are you quitting? I'm like, because there's girls on the ski team. Oh, my girls God, that's amazing. From, from other teams. Right. Easy. <laughs> Yeah. So one day my son may come home and he'll be like, Dad, I want to quit the saxophone trumpet or whatever. And I'll say, are you going up there and are you faking it? <laughs> He's like, yes. I'll be like, then, then you should quit. <laughs> go go join the ski team. <laughs> That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about your turkey season. I saw the pictures. How did it go down? Um. So that was with my brother and my little nephew. He turns two next month. Um, it's super cool. My brother's just always been outdoors. I, we didn't get it from my parents. I don't know where my brother got it from. Some neighbors or something, I think. But thank God he did because he's always been outdoors. And I love Big Brother. So I follow him outdoors. We go hunting and fishing. That's kind of where I got it from. And now watching him take his kid out is just kind of the coolest thing in the world. That kid's only two? Yeah. He's a big he's boy. A tank. He's such a tank. I did not know that. I have a son who's almost two, and he did not look that big. He's a tank. It's amazing. But, um, yeah, kid loves it. Oh, he loves it. He knows. He thinks every animal is called a buck. So I don't know if you saw in the video. He just starts yelling buck every time he sees an animal. <laughs> um, yeah, we pull. So we're sitting, we're sitting there, and we see. I saw the turkeys come out, and I didn't have a shot. So Joel's like, here, hold my kid. Cover his ears. I got I got Mason on by the head, and Mason's just hanging out with those little um, Bob the Builder. That's who he's playing with at the time. And I'm holding his head. Joel shoots, and he, Mason's like, oh, <laughs> just stares at this animal. <laughs> Hilarious. He loves it. That's awesome because I yeah. didn't think I could take him at two, but now that I know someone else is taking oh, yeah. their kid at two. Well, you got to – I mean, you got to be – okay if they scare the animals off and you got to be okay if they start screaming 10 minutes in but bring some toys and bring some extra hands and, you know i was calling the turkey in and joel shot and i held the kid and it worked out but you know it's, it's kids you got to have a plan b and you got to be okay with things going messy yeah that's get them out there you know it's very true i always have that plan of like let's we took them actually fishing for uh, the first time and we had this little fishing pole and he had no interest in doing any real fishing but man he loved waving that pole around 
That's perfect. Yeah, so I took him and I put him in the water and it was freezing cold and he's like, no, 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 no. So I put him up on a rock and he, you know, it was great. He loves standing there and waving the pole around. But then after about 10, 15 minutes, he had enough. He had about eight minutes and then something new. Yeah, and let's, let's go get ice cream, Dad. <laughs> let's go do something else. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, as long as you're okay with leaving early and so on. Yeah, and that, I, you know, I think if I was to give any kind of parental advice, that'd be great advice. It's just take them everywhere, but be ready to leave early. Yeah, they'll screw up your hunting trip, but, you know, you might get one too. And just hope the animal's coming quick. Yeah, in fact, that must have been a dumb turkey. He came, well, it was probably about an hour and a half, actually. Really? That's a long sit for a little man. Long sit. That's a long sit for me, so that's... He napped a little bit. He napped? Yeah, he fell asleep a little bit. That's, that's actually a brilliant plan. Take them during their nap time. And bring he a blanket. Runs around and yeah, looks at things. He's just an outdoor kid, so. It was that's fun. That's phenomenal. Yeah. And do you have any plans for this upcoming hunting season? Have you been figuring out where you're going? What are you doing? No idea. It's it's all chopping right now. Flying by the seat of your oh, pants, hoping to get invites. Ugh. Yeah. Pretty much, because I haven't, I'm going to need to find a guide or something. No, my brother, if I call him up, say, hey, I want to go out, he'll take me out. He'll put you on something? Everything, yeah. He's so That's, good at it. I need a brother like that. Cause, He's so good at it, yeah. You know, I feel like some people, they have that hunting gene, and they're really good at it. It's like, I have a great talking about hunting gene, and I have great practicing archery and other things genes. But when I get out there in the woods, it's like the deer, they're allergic to me. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah, they know. He's, he's good. Yeah. He knows exactly where they're at. And it's weird. He just, it's not like he goes and scouts them. Like some guys will scout every day for weeks or months prior. Oh, yeah. He knows. Like a whisper. And once you have a spot, though, and you know it's going to produce, it's a little bit easier to keep yeah. going back and keep. Like, I can guarantee does till the cows come home. Yeah. But for yeah. a good old buck, it's like, ugh, not not so good, fortunately. Yeah, he's, he's unreal. He's all, we always, every time we fish, he has always outfished me. And the one time that I got to outfish him, he pulls a baby deer into the boat. Like, how is this even... A thing. Where'd the baby deer come from? It fell off a cliff. So he was kind of stranded and injured. So we pulled him in the boat and then we drove him to shore and watched him kind of walk off a little bit. And he probably didn't make it, but hopefully. Jeez, maybe he's committing suicide. And he's like, why did you guys stop me? I have a terrible life. Like emo baby deer. Come on. <laughs> God, I would have made jerky then. Dang it. <laughs> Delicious. So, speaking of food, do you are you on a pretty strict diet, or what's uh, the Mostly, calorie consumption? Uh, you know, it's it's everything you put in your body is either going to hurt or help you. Don't so tell I my body to that. Think the things that help me. However, I'm super busy and not often home, so I do the best I can. But sometimes I'm just stuck. Um, and then on top of that, like I need energy. I really just need good, healthy energy. So I'm an athlete. I help other people all day long. So the foods that I 
it is pretty important what I put in for sure. So what would be the go-to like cheat meal or snack? If I wanted to cheat, um, God, nothing even sounds good right now. <laughs> I like ice cream, but it doesn't sound good right now to me. Really? So what sounds good right now? I, once I get going, like I just, I go. Unstoppable? Nothing really sounds good. Um, probably when I get come start coming back down, I would say like a vanilla milkshake and french fries. Like dip that sucker in and go to town. Yes, that's a good move too. Yeah, the sweet and salty. Yep, pretty underrated, the french fry dip in the oh, milkshake. So good. Yeah, and whenever you do it though, people are definitely going to look at you like you're some kind of weirdo. Whatever, I'll offer them a bite. <laughs> then they'll definitely think you're a weirdo. Yeah. Hey, you want a bite and then want to get in my van with all my axes? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. So... Cherry Valley this upcoming weekend. Yep. And then after that, we've got Boonville in July. No, wait. Is oh. it July? Is it end of July or end of August? Boonville's in August. That's right. End of August. I think it's the last weekend in August if I stand corrected. No, I go to Australia last weekend of August. So it's the weekend. To 17th, 18th, 19th. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's usually around there. And then, so wait, when is the championships for the Teal Steel? Timber Sports in Milwaukee. It is 27, 8, and 9 of July. All right. Schedule up for you. Yeah. So Lumberjack World Championships are going to be 19, 20, and 21 of July. And so what spot do you need to get coming up in Cherry Valley? I think top eight, right? Top eight? I didn't look. <laughs> Well, let's hope. I mean, top eight, that sounds safe. Don't get disqualified for something. The thing, there's certain things that you can and can't control. And, you know, I just, I'm going to get the best placing I can place. And So speaking of can and can't control, took second last year. No, I took, I tied for third. And then with the tiebreaker, I actually got fourth. Wow, fourth. That's a... God, I was so mad. And I had it. I mean, that was just laying in my lap. And I screwed up so bad. So the win was laying in your lap, or third was laying in your lap? The win. And I what happened? I disqualified myself in stock saw. Uh, and stock saw is when you have just a regular steel chainsaw? Yep. And you just cut and through a board? Two cuts. That's it. And all I had to do was get, like, I think five points. I had to get fifth, fifth or sixth place to win. So what happened? Give us the rundown. I disqualified. I got zero points. How? What'd you do? I cut Back out. Cut the log? I, yeah, I didn't. So when I brought the chainsaw up to the wood, um, I guess I didn't cut the top. It looked like it. And then when the cookies hit the deck, the judge picked them up and it wasn't a full cookie. So I started looking for that chip that I thought had broken off. So I'm digging through the sawdust, desperately trying to find this chip, and then finally I'm like, you know, just go to the video. I know I cut it. And they couldn't find it in the video, so disqualified. Oh, that's heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. So is this like the year you're going on hot? And it, it sucks that it's the first year, and it's such a simple event. Like, God dang it. So that's what I'm training a lot of is the stock saw. 
I didn't want to think about it. Just do it in my sleep. There you go. So the goal this year is the overall women's championship. <laughs> yeah, of course. I heard, um, I think there's a Harley Davidson up for grabs for the winner. Really? How fun would that be? That'd be pretty badass. Would you keep yeah. it or sell it? I'm going to definitely ride it. And then I don't see how, if I don't die, I guess I'll keep it. If I yeah, die, if you... it might go to my estate or something. I don't know, but, um. Yeah, if you die, you don't have a choice. Uh, if you win a Harley, you have to ride it. I'd say so. Yeah. So, it's pretty cool. You don't want to be one of those persons just selling everything you win. No. Unless, you know, you start winning more than one Harley, then I could see you selling the first. Yeah, maybe. Or find a friend. Yeah, or, I mean, I wish I had friends like that who were like, hey, I won another Harley. You want it? Oh, let's go. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Different colors, maybe? There you go. So before we go, if say there's anyone in the Spokane area looking for some fitness or curious about getting into uh, lumber sports, timber sports, there we go, that's the name, timber sports, uh, how and where should they reach you? Um, I have no time to train anybody right now. <laughs> but um, and, and that's what I have to do right now. It's just I'd like to, but I can't. Um, say I they're into CrossFit. But yes, CrossFit, I can do that. Um, come into Predation CrossFit. Don't be intimidated. I have people of all sizes, all fitness levels. I have 64-year-olds in here. So, I mean, don't don't be intimidated. Just get through the door. I will hold your hand from there, and it will be amazing. 64-year-olds. That's quite a, quite a lot of four-year-olds. <laughs> hey, we're starting CrossFit Kids next month. What ages are you starting them at? Starts at four. Uh, you know, and that's what I dislike about CrossFit Kids. And I've, and I've said this multiple times to Jen, the awesome wife of the owner of our CrossFit we go to, that let's lower that to age two. Oh, God. Yeah, two, because yeah. we go to gymnastics class, and they have a two yeah. to... We could, I, I mean, it'd just be a different class. You could yeah, it's like men to four. So then you're looking at four different age groups. So if yeah. the gym has the time and the coaches, definitely. Yeah, they need like a cross tots class. Yeah, cross tots. We do goes, when the kids come in and watch their parents work out, they have 15 minutes of fun time after. There's a lot of mimicking. A lot of mimicking there. Huge. Oh, my he, God. It's so fun to watch. He goes to gymnastics class, and he can mimic a muscle up. Like he knows he needs to pull, and he knows he needs to push. And he can hold himself up there but he doesn't have the balance over the bar to stay there. So you got to kind of push his butt towards the bar, but he holds himself up there. They're so strong. They're amazingly strong. Anyone. I mean, I'd rather take on like a 64 year old than 64 year olds. Yeah. And fearless and bendy. Yeah. That's and he actually, they, the same gymnastics comp place. They just started a uh, little ninjas class. That's awesome. ninja, yeah. That's so he's going to be, too. Rope swinging, all that stuff. Pretty it's excited. So it's crazy. You know, when I was in high school, it was easy to walk on to varsity. Now, like, better start them out at two. You do, because he's already walking balance beams. That's crazy. And learning to jump on them and all this stuff. It's so it's amazing. And I can't remember the name of the board. You run and jump on the board and then up onto things. They yeah. start them on that. Like, I was like, wow. That's so rad. Yeah. It is. Well, cool. everyone, I've hoped you enjoyed this conversation. Please 
Give Aaron a follow on Instagram or Facebook. And if you're in the area, check out some of these competitions. They're pretty amazing to watch. I think I'm going to try to go to Cherry Valley, but I'll definitely be at the Boonville one. I try to make that every year. So head on out. Check them out. And go on over to, I believe it's like steeltimbersports.com. Give that a follow. Find out more. See if there's anything going on in your area. And until next time, get out there, kick some ass, and take some names.